As many of you know here at Emerge, the bulk of our enterprise work with clients uh, is in mapping the capability space of AI. So looking at the whole startup landscape and ecosystem, looking at what the giant enterprise players are actually adopting, and doing the hard research to find where are the pockets of ROI. Where are the pockets where there is low-hanging fruit? In other words, things that are relatively easy to deploy and we can gain traction uh, within our business and, and move forward compared to our competitors. This is the bulk of our work. And towards the end of last year, a lot of that work was focused on retail and e-commerce. And I had made the decision towards the kind of around Christmas time that in February, we should do a whole month where we dive into retail and e-commerce, all the different use cases from personalization to conversational interfaces to inventory management, you name it, because there's so many things that are moving quickly in e-commerce that I think are going to affect other industries pretty swiftly as well. I think e-commerce will sort of grow a lot of use cases that will make their way into finance, eventually into healthcare, into other sectors as well. And so that is the focus for this month of February, the future of AI and retail and e-commerce. Our first guest in the series is Guru Haraharan, the CEO of Commerce IQ, which is a Silicon Valley-based AI startup focused on e-commerce platforms. Guru shares with us his thoughts about the current impact and investment in AI when it comes to e-commerce and retail and where he sees things going. Last thing I'll make note of, we've recently put together an AI and retail executive guide. Uh, if you're interested in a very quick hit list of the use cases of AI and the critical terminology to understand when it comes to where AI is impacting retail and e-commerce writ large, be sure to go to emerge.com slash R-E-T-1. That's E-M-E-R-J.com slash R-E-T-1. Uh, and that's our retail executive guide. You can enter your information and download that guide as you please. If you want the landscape of applications in addition to these great podcasts, then you can go there and download that. But without further ado, we're going to hop right in. This is Guru kicking us off in this month of AI and e-commerce here on AI and Industry. So Guru, just to get things off the ground, I really want to get your perspective on where you see AI making a difference in e-commerce today. If we just freeze the tech today and we look at where it's making a difference, um, what are those areas that are biggest in your opinion? Yes, uh, Dan, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. Of course. Uh, AI, uh, as we apply to e-commerce, there are a few things which it can have some pretty significant impacts and of course, there's a lot being said in terms of customer experience, which is the most obvious thing where can you improve the experience of the shopper coming into the store or coming in online and others. But I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the back offices, if you may, that has not been talked about too much, which is sales, marketing, and supply chain. Those are areas which have amazing amount of opportunity in terms of the data that is flowing, in terms of the repetitive tasks that can be automated. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of opportunities in those areas. And we've seen a lot of top-tier companies automate and uh, apply AI to improve their sales efficiency, marketing efficiency, and supply chain efficiency, even starting with uh, companies like Amazon. Yeah, well, and obviously Amazon is pretty well aggregating this whole space. That's, that's certainly your guys' focus as well. So you wanted to knuckle down on the sales and kind of supply chain side of things here? 
That'd be great. Yeah, cool. we'd love to. Yeah, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I'd love to. If we could start with sales, that'd be cool because I'll be honest with you, when it comes to e-commerce, I think what everybody thinks of and probably where most of the action is with AI, and I think you'd probably admit this yourself, is going to be on the marketing, on the consumer purchasing side, right? What offers in my face? How big is the button? How does it show up on these different devices? And what kind of email campaigns do I get? Right, It's a consumer clicking a button and swiping their visa. But you're talking about sales. Where do you see sales playing into the mix of e-com and, and where does AI get in there see that's a that's a great question so let's uh let's sort of um before we get into the applications of ai let's uh, just spend a few seconds to think about how sales is enabled on e-commerce sure yeah let's think about a company like kellogg's or a kimberly clark if you are to sell products let's say you're selling diapers you're selling cheerios cereal boxes how do you sell, how do you enable sales teams and how do you sell on retail outlets, whether it be e-commerce or whether it be uh, a Kroger store or a Walmart store? Typically what happens for decades, I would say for a century, from a sales standpoint, Kellogg's or Kimberly Clark is employing a top tier negotiator. Uh, they're hiring from an Ivy League and uh, like an MBA and teach them how to negotiate. And they send them over to Arkansas, or uh, Cincinnati to have a conversation and negotiation with Walmart or a Kroger over a dinner table. And uh, they have a process called the joint business plan. They talk through a number of uh, options to invest on how can I buy all these, uh, the, the majority of the space that is there in the diaper aisle or the cereal aisle of your store. Can I get the space right next to the cashier so that there's an impulse purchase opportunity? things of that nature. All of these things have been traditionally done, I'm talking century, for decades and for, for more than a century, in a setting which is a human-to-human interaction yeah. over a table. So now let's flip over to 2020. A majority of sales which is happening on e-commerce does not happen that way. In fact, if you enter Amazon or top-tier e-commerce and growing companies like Walmart.com or, or uh, Instacart and others, you don't have people on the other side who can have dinner conversations and um, negotiate these deals. In fact, the language that they speak is that of data. They would expose, for instance, Amazon exposes a bunch of uh, data files through a portal. And if you're Kellogg's, you're expected to log in into a portal, figure out how your sales are happening, which serial boxes are selling more and not. Where am I getting the right customer feedback? How's my inventory doing? Supply chain efficiency. Everything is codified in a portal inside and communicated through data. So if I'm Kellogg's, my old ways of human-to-human interactions completely break down because guess what? There's no human on the other side. So what do you do? So that element of sales is, has a seismic shift. is a huge disruptive change that is happening right now in the market where sales needs to be completely codified into a machine, then that's probably what we call artificial intelligence, right? Yeah. So interesting big dynamic. So I'll just kind of try to sum this up and then we can poke into the AI part. I, I appreciate you kind of, I guess, setting the table for the topic. I think a lot of people do associate sales with the old school you know, song and dance. I bring a briefcase, I buy you a scotch, I ask you about your kids, and then I talk about, can I get this, you know, floor space? Can you buy this kind of quantity? What do I got to do to have you, you know, purchase our product instead of General Mills? You know, whatever the, the case may be, right? But you're talking about now 
you know, uh, Amazon as a platform, sort of the only thing that their vendors are going to see is sort of dashboards and that this is now changing the game on on how we do business, do sales. How do you sell to a dashboard? In other words, what is now sales replaced with? So that's um, when you think about selling into a company which is speaking the language of data, which is selling to a dashboard, you don't think about sort of applying negotiation tactics from a uh, from a human perspective, but can you apply negotiation tactics using AI, using data? So for instance, if I know that you're undersorted on a certain keyword, which is getting to be an important keyword on your website, let's say for instance, keto cereal boxes. Keto is a trending term and people eat cereal, so they're searching for keto cereal. Now, if the industry does not have keto cereal, it's a great opportunity for you to identify those items in your assortment which have the right ingredients and start marketing and start selling those items against those keywords. On an overall basis, like as you mentioned, if you're um, a salesperson trying to get your products into a store, a store is a very deterministic concept in an offline world. You walk into a cereal aisle and that's it. You find your Cheerios, you find your General Mills products, you find everything that needs to be there in that one aisle. When you walk into the e-commerce store, and I say walk in with a quote unquote. Yeah, yeah. How do you walk in? You walk in using search terms. And these search terms could be a combination of keywords that you type in. It could be plain old cereal boxes. It could be breakfast cereal. It could be snack box cereal, keto cereal, organic cereal, whatever it may be. And there, are, there could be thousands of such, such keywords which make up this quote unquote digital aisle. Now, it's up to you as a brand to figure out where should I sell and how should I sell? Which products do I promote? Which products do I give an incentive for the shopper through a, through a coupon and things of that nature? And if you think about the explosion of uh, combinations that has happened over there, you've got thousands of keywords and uh, say a few hundred products that you sell and you have to essentially do that matching and start to push on the right lever so that you're uh, you are able to maximize the return on your sales spend and trade spend in such a way that you're able to drive maximum profitable sales on um, on an e-commerce website. So I guess when I hear this, just anecdotally, I think marketing more so than I guess the word sales. When I think sales, I guess I I presume there's going to be a conversation and a handshake. This sounds as though this is kind of AI potentially being applied to you know, marketing, getting a consumer to swipe the card more or less, not necessarily getting a, a big enterprise to buy a bulk order or something like that. But let me know if, if maybe you see the intersection with sales in, in a different way. I might be looking at it incorrectly here. I think um, as we think about uh, the distinction between sales and marketing, very simplistic way to put it with, uh, especially as it comes to e-commerce B2B, is I sort of look at it as uh, three angles see, find, and buy, which is the see um, element is mostly like, say, for instance, in old media, it is like uh, billboards and others. In today's new media, it's more like Facebook. Find is, um, can I go to Google and find, find stuff? And buy is really purchasing the point, the moment of truth, as they say, as they call it. And in terms of, uh, as we break it down, usually in consumer brands and B2B companies, they would attribute see and find to be marketing and buy to be sales. And uh, so from that standpoint, there is a distinction. There's a very clear distinction in our offline world, which is 
billboards and TVs are marketing or even branding. And um, sending flyers is marketing. And uh, coupons in stores are trade spend to pull items into a what would be like a cashier's counter or some prominent positions are through something called trade spend. And that is sales. Because that's a moment of truth, a moment of purchase. Got it. Okay. So that's, that's so, where the, the metaphorical line is drawn. Exactly. Now, it is absolutely true that that line is starting to blur in e-commerce. What is sales? What is C? And maybe if Google launches a buy button on Google.com, does that become find or does that become buy? Or if we know that more than 55% of shoppers online start their buying behavior on Amazon, so is Amazon a buy or a find or a see. <laughs> uh, so from that standpoint, the lines definitely are blurring. And the important thing over here is not to get too caught up within the definitions which have helped you organize your company internally, but really start to the best in class companies that we work with. We see them really sort of uh, think about it truly shopper first and work your way backwards from the shopper. How are they purchasing? How are they finding your products? How are they researching your products? and really start to organize based on the shopper angle and how do I sell the right products to my shoppers in the, at the right price. Got it. And, and so this is sort of a bit of the evolution on the sales side. You'd also mentioned kind of supply chain maybe being an AI opportunity area. Maybe we can talk about the changes in supply chain a bit and also where, where you see AI fitting in today if we kind of freeze time. Yeah, so the, uh, the big... Uh, push that is happening in e-commerce is fast delivery, right? So which is we used to be okay with five-day deliveries and we used to then complain. And then uh, at some point, Amazon launched Prime. It was two-day shipping. You got your items in two days. And now we're talking next day and same-day delivery. So that bar is not coming down. It's just going higher and higher. What does that mean to our consumer brands in a B2B setting? What that means is that Amazon is going to open more and more warehouses. When you think about a company like Walmart, each store is going to be used like a warehouse. And if you are a consumer shopping on any of these websites, you're going to get these products very quickly, but that's going to put pressure on the retailer to be able to order and get these products in time in their warehouses without having too much capital tied up. And what does that really mean is as they place orders, the purchase orders are going to be almost like just in time. Think Toyota. The factories that feed into Toyota were sitting right, the suppliers were sitting right outside of Toyota's manufacturing plant. That's going to be the norm even in retail, where a Kellogg's or a Kimberly Clark or a Logitech is going to be required to have their products almost very close and almost next door and close to each of Amazon or Walmart's warehouses. And for that, that is a combinatorial explosion again in this scenario. The reason being today, most consumer brands operate with what is called DCs, distribution centers, which are roughly about three of them in the in the country, one on the East Coast, one on the West Coast, one on the South. And that is going to explode into thousands of warehouses that uh, a retailer like Amazon is going to require you to have to have just-in-time fulfillment of these micro purchase orders that they're going to place and that is going to now put stress on your systems to figure out where do i assort where do i put my products if i have a thousand pallets of cereal boxes 
the conversation is not, the decision is not about should I put it on the East Coast or West Coast? Decision is now going to be about should I put it outside of San Francisco or Los Angeles or outside of Kansas City? And that is now going to start having a need to start to pull yourself away from Excel and start to make uh, decisions based on real-time feeds in terms of orders and sales that are happening and start to really uh, think about it as a synchronous, harmonious machine that's starting to put items from uh, your manufacturing plants and send it to the right warehouses, uh, which are thousands of them spread across in the, in the country. Yeah, well, we see, and we see companies like uh, you know Flexport raising whatever it was, uh, what is it, one point three billion or something crazy like that up in the Bay Area, kind of overhauling how logistics is being thought, be, beginning to use this data in ways that'll help us know what is where, what is going to be where when, you know, uh, being able to predict inventory levels of different sort of items and arrival times of different sorts of items. Where do you see sort of AI providing, I guess, a layer of value to this much faster, much more nimble environment? that is going to be uh, necessary for faster delivery, what are all the moving parts where AI can kind of plug in and, and add some value and help bring that vision to life? So with the nature of uh, democratization of consumer products, margins are going to be thinner and thinner. We already see consumer brands starting to face tremendous amount of pressure in terms of cost of sales, which is driving down gross margins and increasing cost of sales with e-commerce. It is much higher than what you would have in brick and mortar. And what that does is it puts pressure on you as the company to start removing these wastages. A big wastage that happens is in supply chain because you're having to fulfill orders. If you're fulfilling orders from coast to coast, that's a wastage. Uh, If you're fulfilling orders more with air instead of ground, that's a wastage. And so the requirement is going to be, be more and more efficient. And those companies which become a lot more efficient will start to thrive in this new way, new, new age of e-commerce. And so from that standpoint, we, we, will, we think that having a good, whether you call it an analytics or artificial intelligence, to be able to take the human out of this equation and within guardrails, have the machine make rapid decisions on an intraday basis, on a daily basis, to be able to route these packages, route these items that you're getting from a manufacturing plant over to your to the right warehouse and put them in the right place so you're able to have a just-in-time fulfillment without having to pay through your nose, that is going to be very key in uh, three to five years. And we believe there's going to be a huge revolution that's going to happen in terms of need for a supply chain efficiency in order to thrive in e-commerce to be driving AI in the software layer. We certainly see a lot of investment there. I, I think it was something like 70 or 80 companies in the AI and supply chain space, over 10 million raised just on the, the English-speaking web. So uh, I think there are others, VCs and, and startup founders like yourself, who agree with your sentiment. And it sounds like a lot of this, at least from your perspective, is being driven by this real heavy demand for faster delivery. I guess closing question here, just being aware of where we are on time, there's a few things you've brought up. One is that Thinking about sales now has to be a conversation about data. It's going to be less and less about a briefcase and a glass of whiskey with with the buyer, and it's going to be more about um, interacting through these kind of APIs and and data interfaces. The second thing is that 
faster demands for delivery are going to make supply chain have to be very nimble and very efficient to kind of stay ahead of companies like Amazon or even stay you know, alive in, in an ecosystem with Amazon in it. Are there any other big defining future trends that you think are really important for folks in supply chain and retail to know as we close out? Any other kind of paradigms that are shifting that you think really matter? When it comes to e-commerce, and especially given this tremendous amount of uh, need for analytical approaches, a big trend that is going to definitely stay for years and uh, a thing for consumer brands to start thinking about is who do you hire? What are the right type of people to hire? If you expect to hire and train the same type of people that is hiring MBAs from Ivy Ivy Leagues, nothing against them, placing them into a machine-driven or a machine-based system, which is e-commerce, your chances of success are going to be not that great. However, if you think about getting somebody uh, or hiring people with an analytical bend, maybe an engineer, and put them into the head of this role or make them successful as a head of uh, sales, for instance, that might be a very good play to start thinking about because guess what? Your customer, which is Amazon or Walmart.com, is thinking like an engineer and you need somebody on your end to be thinking as an engineer, thinking as a McKinsey consultant to break down the right problem and start to um, address each portion or each value or cost element in it in a way that you can start automating and uh, uh, starting to get the value. The big uh, recommendation that I would have for consumer brands and B2B companies want to be successful in e-commerce is to really think about who are the right type of people you're going to hire for your future. Got it. Okay. So that in your opinion, that the talent mix, in addition to these dynamics changing, that has a necessary requirement to think about, well, who's going to be in charge of these new kinds of dynamics? And it sounds like for you, giving a, a good heavy thought to that new talent mix is important for the future of retail. That's absolutely true. Today's head of e-commerce is going to be tomorrow's CEO of a consumer brand. The faster companies are able to realize and act towards that, the faster you're able to grow. Think Nike. They just put John Donahue, the past CEO of eBay, as their CEO. That trend is just going to accentuate as we go forward. Huh. All right. Hot take. Hopefully that's an interesting tip to follow up on for those of you who are tuned in in the retail and e-commerce space. Guru, I'm aware of where we are on time, but I really appreciate you being able to join us here on AI and Industry. Thanks so much. It was fun. Thanks for having me, Dan. So that's all for this episode of AI in Industry. Next week, we're going to be spinning it over to the East Coast and interviewing the CTO of a very prominent kind of retail advertising AI firm uh, in New York City about the future of that side of e-commerce, how we actually communicate our offers, and particularly via email and messaging. So you'll want to make sure to stay tuned in for next week. If you've got any feedback about the show, things you want to see covered, or just comments in general about what you've learned from the program, be sure to hit me up on LinkedIn. It's just linkedin.com slash in slash Dan Fagella. Pretty easy to find me, easy to Google as well. Always in two to three threads at once with various and sundry podcast listeners about what they want to learn more about or an episode that really helped them. And this really helps us get good ideas for future series here on the show. So feel free to stay connected. I'm always happy to have my conversations with my listeners as well. And I'm looking forward to editing up next week's show for you. So I will catch you here same time next week.